Oh oui, most of my guns are made of papier-mâché. Ha ha ha. Listen to them, children of the night. What music they make. <laughs> Oh, hey, Alex. Oh, bonjour. <laughs> See, you're going to be so much better at this than I am. You know, I tried watching this movie. Um, I guess I tried not paying attention so much to the subtitles, thinking that I could understand what was going on, and I had a much more of a hard time than I thought I would. <laughs> a little rusty on your French? A little rusty on the French. It happens. How how, how are you doing? Good. Yeah? Cold and ready for Christmas. All of the festivities. All of the festivities. I forget how much I like Christmas until... People start putting up their Christmas lights. I don't dislike Christmas. I dislike the people that start Christmas before Thanksgiving. Oh, yeah. That's that's banned in our house. Yeah. Mary, Mary Beth kept threatening to put the Christmas tree up before <laughs> Thanksgiving, and I said I'd throw it in the front yard. Okay, yeah. Um, <laughs> that's fair. I'm surprised she didn't put it up the day after. Okay. But it was up on Sunday. Are you guys... Uh, a real Christmas tree or... No, it's fake. Fake. Ours is also. Yeah. I, I prefer fake. It's, you know, I, I know it's not really a deforestation issue because I know Christmas trees are, like, grown specifically in ways where they just, like, kind of... Circle them out. Yeah, circle them out. Um, but you just buy it once. You just buy one fake tree and you have it for a decade. Yeah, I feel like the convenience factor of a, of a fake tree is... For the longest time, I was real tree yeah um but they're always dying on me mm-hmm. you know what i mean and then you get the pine needles and i feel everywhere like, and i feel like it's a fire hazard yes <laughs> um and Plus so ours comes with lights already oh, built in lights yeah built in. and you like we can string up some more yeah um actually uh we got a fake tree from palmer's wife her parents had is this, that like, the one you have that nice, giant one yeah the thing is super nice yeah it's like a super expensive tree but it's massive <laughs> yeah so we use that. And then also when I get lazy and don't want to take it down right after Christmas. Like, I feel like last year we had it up until, like, February. <laughs> yeah, you can't do that with a real tree. No. By the time that rolls around, it's just a bunch of branches and all the pine needles are on the floor. Yeah, I feel like you're supposed to water it, but I always forget. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, you had a good Thanksgiving, though? Yeah, I had a great Thanksgiving. I definitely ate and then promptly fell asleep for two hours. Nice. Undisturbed because people leave me alone because I'm a new mom. Yeah. <laughs> or you, you've earned your nap time now. Right. I don't have the heart to tell them that I'm like legitimately sleeping through the night at this point. That <laughs> 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 I get a lot of sleep. I'm just lazy and fat. No, that's all right. That's all right. That's allowed. And you're in a house with a bunch of other people that can look after Silas. Oh, yeah. I don't. Whenever I go anywhere, like to my mother-in-law's house or my sister's house, like I do not touch that kid for like hours. Yeah, grandparents are great for that one reason alone. They are. She's coming to babysit on Saturday so I can go to a Christmas party. Nice. I was like, that's awesome. Nice. How was your Thanksgiving? It was interesting. We we made way too much food. We had a, we did like a non-traditional spread. You made risotto, right? Yeah. Uh, Faro. Yeah. It's like a risotto. Um, or at least how it turned out. It was really good. I apparently don't know how much Faro one bag like cooks up to, so we made two bags. Okay. Okay. And uh, was that way too much? That would have been enough for like thirty people. <gasps> so like my, we left my parents a giant Tupperware thing full of it. We took a big Tupperware thing full of it, and my sister took a big Tupperware thing full of it. And I think we still threw some out because oh, we wow. just like ran out of space. 
So risotto for everybody. Risotto for everyone. Um, and you made a chicken instead of a turkey. We right? did two two roast chickens, which okay. and like super simple, uh, and we did it like a French way. So it was just like salt, pepper, rosemary, and then I shoved some lemons in its ass. Okay, nice. And uh, then we just like basted it with butter a couple of times while it was cooking. Cool. Best chicken I've ever had. Yeah, hell yeah, it sounds delicious. And like I I would never like think about chicken in the sense of like, oh my god, that was incredible. Right. It's chicken. It's just chicken. But holy shit. Nice. So good. Um and you know, it was weird, you know, supposedly my mom's last Thanksgiving. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> if anybody ever saw her Facebook. <laughs> if you ask her. <laughs> yeah. Um she also didn't know it was Thanksgiving. Oh, okay. Um, even though we told her like multiple times. All right. It was weird. Yeah. It was weird. But it was fun. We had a good time. I feel like it's not the holidays unless it's weird. Yeah. Yeah, it sounds about right. My uh, uh, father-in-law or my mother-in-law's husband was in the beginning not going to come to Thanksgiving. <laughs> he was just going to go fishing instead. <laughs> I could see that. He was like, no, nah, I don't want to I don't want to do that whole thing well i mean originally we were just gonna do thanksgiving just the two of us that's what the plan was we were gonna you know kind of 86 all the whole family gatherings on either side and just do our own little thanksgiving hell yeah um which then turned into us doing it for my family instead um so maybe next year during the like normally um for thanksgiving and christmas ben and i just do it the two of us yeah and we meet up with family like around the holidays you know but not on the holiday i've read stories about couples that forego you know big holidays like christmas where you know they'll just go on holiday together hell yeah uh i'm like the other side of the world they're like fuck you sorry about presents yeah (laughs) don't expect anything from us but we don't need anything from you love you guys we'll send you some postcards there you go i don't know i enjoy drinking heavily and being stressed up on my family yeah it's part of the holidays it is part of the holiday tradition Every um, second year we go home, though, so or I go home. Uh, so the years that we spend in Richmond are much less stressful. Was that last year that you guys went up there uh-huh. and everything was just covered in ice and you busted your ass? Yes. Okay. And my mom fell and busted her ass. My brother fell and busted his ass. It's just the thing you do in The Canada. driveway was a sheet of ice. That <laughs> <laughs> was insane. Oh, that's amazing. Well, a couple more years and you won't have to worry about ice anymore. That's right. Yeah. Oh, my mom said last year when we were up there that we're never going back there again. Really? Yeah. <laughs> we moved away from Quebec for a reason. <laughs> and it's the winters. I don't know why we keep going back there. <laughs> well, we will bring back some more French nonsense in a little while. But in the meantime, why don't we talk about all the news and the movies that people can pay attention to? All right, so kicking it off this week, we got some Ghostbusters news. It has a real name. Ghostbusters Afterlife. A little too on the nose. I think it's great. It's great. Uh, the film's two-minute and 28-second trailer has been rated by the BBFC, uh, which means the trailer's coming soon. So this is not the last time we're going to be talking about it. <laughs> uh, at least Ghostbusters Afterlife is the title in the UK. It might be different here in the US. Uh, but we'll probably find out as soon as the trailer comes out. Um, so looking forward to that. Uh, some more stuff overseas. Dracula from the makers of Sherlock. Uh, Klaus Bang from The Girl in the Spider's Web starring as Dracula in a brand new miniseries inspired by Bram Stoker's classic novel. Uh, the series is a Netflix BBC co-production, so it's going to show up on Netflix just like all of Sherlock did. 
It'll be three 90-minute episodes, just like Sherlock was, and <laughs> it's coming January 1st, 2020. Okay. Uh, it continues on January 2nd and January 3rd, so an episode a day. Uh, all, <clears throat> all episodes are going to be airing at 9 p.m. Uh, I don't know if that also includes 9, like 9 p.m. Netflix will release an episode. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure how exactly they're going to do it. Um, the episode titles are The Rules of the Beast, Blood Vessel, and The Dark Compass. Those sound metal as shit. They are metal as fuck. <laughs> I love Blood Vessel. Yeah. Uh, this is definitely some, like, Iron Maiden shit. Although, on the trailer, like, the screenshot the screenshot for the trailer, mm-hmm. I assume it's Dracula. He looks like a meth addict. He kind of does. With all his, like, marks on his face. Like, he looks like he's been picking at his skin. Yeah. <laughs> Not into it. Definitely kind of does. <laughs> Uh, written and created by Stephen Moffat and Mark Gaddis. Uh, it's inspired by Bram Stoker's classic novel and will apparently reintroduce the world to Dracula, the vampire who made evil sexy. Uh, he doesn't look very Because sexy. apparently in all the years of glittering vampires and mm. queens of the damned, we have forgotten who Dracula was. I believe that. Um, I thought the trailer looked really good. Yeah, I thought uh, it was great. It looks and feels and sounds a lot like the first season of Sherlock. Yeah. Uh which I think is a good thing. Hopefully they can avoid the fall off that that show had. Mm. Um, partly due to, you know, conflicting schedules and partly due to just running out of stories to tell. Yeah. Uh, next up, Zombieland Double Tap's getting home release. Uh, so it's hitting digital December 24th and then getting the 4K Ultra HD Blu-ray treatment the following January on the 21st uh, coming at us from Sony Pictures. And it includes an absolute laundry list of special features, uh, including extended bloopers and outtakes, alternate and extended scenes, and a bunch of special features with great names, such as The, <laughs> the Beast is Gone, where tragedy falls upon Tallahassee. Uh, in bed, Tallahassee still got it. I wonder what that's about. Right. Breakfast of Babylon, the cruelty-free breakfast and conversation. Uh, melting Gun, Tallahassee saying goodbye to another friend. There's a lot of stuff about Tallahassee. There is. Um, have you seen the movie? I have not seen this yet. Have you? I, I'm uh, halfway through it. Okay. How are you liking it? It's funny. Yeah? Um, it's a lot more funny than I expected. Okay. Yeah, I've heard... Pretty much what I heard about this movie was that it wasn't as good as the first one. Yeah. But it's hard to be... That but the first one was so original that... Yeah. I don't think anybody was really expecting this to kind of evoke that same sense. But it did stand alone really well. Yeah. I think reali- watching the second one, I realized how much I really dislike Jesse Eisenberg. <laughs> really? Yeah. I used to find him kind of charming, I guess. Or I don't know. If, I, don't really, I don't really know the word to describe how I felt about him, but I just find him kind of annoying. He was awkwardly charming. Yeah. Awkwardly so here's, charming. I've always compared Jesse Eisenberg to Michael Sarah. Okay. Yeah. Because they're both, they both kind of came onto the scene around the same time. They both fit that, like, awkward niche yeah. really well. Um, I just have such a love for Michael Sarah because of Arrested Development. <laughs> yeah. Like, as far as movies go, I guess, is when they kind of both broke out. Jesse Eisenberg just kind of comes off like more like a dick, though. <laughs> like, in real life, I, I mean, bet she's kind of a dick. That's probably why he did such a good job playing Mark Zuckerberg. Yeah, that's true. Um, I don't know. Like, in my head... Jesse Eisenberg looks the way Michael Sarah did in Scott Pilgrim. Okay. But yeah. like Michael Sarah grew up and Jesse Eisenberg never did. He just stayed the same. Yeah. Except for that one DC movie where he shaved his head and played um 
I think it was Batman vs Superman. Oh, was it? Where he played. Uh, this is why we need Palmer back. I know Palmer. Palmer, <laughs> when you edit this, go ahead and just insert a clip of you saying what movie I'm thinking of <laughs> right here. Next, M Night Shyamalan Ding Dong is back with more uh, antics. Um, I guess somewhat still fresh off uh, wrapping up his Unbreakable Glass Glass Split trilogy. Mm -hmm. Uh, He's planning a new one. Good for him. Uh, So Universal Pictures announced in September that two new original thrillers from M. Night Shyamalan are on the way. Set to arrive uh, February 26th of 2021. Okay. And February 17th of 2023. So a very long ways away. Uh, both films are going to be written and directed by Shyamalan, and he says that they're both weird and dark, uh, and then goes on to say he might even have a third original thriller in the works, uh, saying, I just had two movie ideas I felt strongly about, and interestingly enough, there might be a third thing that came to me that might end up going between these two, so there might be three. I'm loving this approach from the visit on where they're minimal, contained, I own them, we take big tonal risks and try to hit that note of absurd but grounded, the dark humor moment, and deal with some complicated things and not necessarily take the audience where they're comfortable, both during or even at the end. Uh, he says a bunch of other stuff, and it's you know just more of the same. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Give the man some respect. <laughs> I liked The Visit a lot. Did you like The Visit? I know you're not really big on M. Night Shyamalan. It was fine. It was. I thought it was fine. It was fine. Um... I think I'm a little disappointed with how Glass turned out. Okay. And that's probably the most, that is the most recent thing of his I've watched. Right. Um, like, I thought Split was really good. And I've I, the thing that I'm worried about here is, like, when he makes a standalone movie, I'll give him credit. Like, 80% of the time, it's pretty good. Right. Um, unfortunately, with most of his movies, you see it once and you never can really watch it again without picking apart all the shit you missed the first time right because of his big twist at the end um (laughs) i think my problem with that trilogy was he didn't need to do what he did at the end of split where you see bruce willis sitting in the bar or whatever the thing on tv like that movie could have just been a standalone right and i feel like glass suffered because of it okay um because it just seemed forced and i I appreciate how he handled all of the characters at the end of the movie, mm-hmm. but it just it it just wasn't that good. It didn't line up for you. Um, but who knows if he sticks to two movies? Uh, you know, if they're linked in any way, that'll be cool. If they're standalone, that would, in my mind, probably be cooler. Yeah. Uh, if he tries to wedge something in the middle, maybe he can actually nail it this time and get all three of them on the same page. Um, because I really liked Unbreakable, too. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I thought Unbreakable was great. I thought Split was really good up until, like, the last two minutes. Yeah, I was going to say four minutes. Um, and then just, it didn't it didn't come home for me. Hmm. Um, <clears throat> next up, Sweetheart, uh, Darling, uh, a summer darling, uh, is getting a home release. So, currently available on VOD. Uh, I think I mentioned this one back on the 22nd of October. Uh, it's now hitting Netflix on Christmas Ooh. for uh, a little present for those who feel like they've spent enough money already. And some time. You need some time away from your family. Yeah. You know, take <laughs> uh, just, hey, guys, I need an hour and a half or so. Just leave me alone. <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> uh, in this movie, Kiersey Clemens stars as Jen, who finds herself completely alone on a small tropical island after her boat goes down. 
By day, every ounce of her strength, cunning, and courage is strained simply to find food, outlast the elements, and survive. But as the sun sets, waking nightmare, her waking nightmare inexorably grows into terror when a malevolent force comes to stalk the jungle for prey. Um, Seems like a nice little creature feature. Yeah, nice little creature feature. It's a minimalist hard, you know, very... Uh, very straightforward story. There's not a lot of depth behind the story. It's really just uh, letting the uh, letting Kiersey Clemens uh, deal with a the monster. There you go. Um, On so, an island. So yeah. I feel like the uh, setting will be nice. Yeah. While I, you're sitting at home fucking wrapped up around the fire, she'll be on the beach. Yeah. She, you're going to be freezing to death <laughs> and covered in seven blankets and she will be running for her life on a beach. Uh, Lucky. More Netflix stuff. Stranger Things season four gets a little teaser. As our single dad uh, and everybody's favorite dad of, what is it, five, four, six? Uh, at this point, he's probably six now. Yeah, so our favorite dad of six, Steve. <laughs> uh, his chasing Amy squeeze, Robin Buckley, seems slated for a return. Over the Thanksgiving weekend, the official Stranger Things Twitter account tweeted and then deleted a reply to someone asking, what is your favorite Robin Buckley line? Um, the Stranger Writers, as they are called on Twitter, said, also a season four line, so you're going to have to wait to get that answer. Hmm. Uh, I don't really know if you can say something like that and not have Robin come back. Right. Uh, so it's not confirmed, but I'm sure that'll be coming soon. I don't see why they wouldn't bring her back. I mean, it would make sense. I mean, I feel like... The she... end of the third season is the two of them getting a job at a movie store? Yeah. Right? They're part of the crew. She's part of the crew now. Yeah. Plus, they, yeah. Single data six, chasing his lesbian love. Love it. I think they're just going to be friends. They're just going to be friends. Yeah. Eventually. I think it's going to take a little while for Steve, Steve to, move, to on. move on, deal with that kind of reje- rejection and heartbreak and pain. Yeah. It's rough. His man. kids need a mom. I don't feel like he's used to being rejected. <laughs> <laughs> Not with that hair. Not with that hair. I wouldn't reject Steve. I wouldn't reject Steve either, even though no. I feel like he's like half my age. <laughs> How old is he? I don't know. I'm going to find out I now. feel like in the... So he's supposed to be in the show, like, just out of high school, right? But in real life, he's probably much older. Also, I think he may be British. I know that the the one who plays Max's brother is Australian. Uh, Joe Keery... He's not British. He was born in Massachusetts. Okay. And he's 27. Oh, all right. So he's not... He's not terribly younger than us. No. He's not so young that it would be weird. If I started dating a 27-year-old, that wouldn't be weird? No. No. Well, I mean, it would because I'm married and I have a baby, but... I mean, that's the weird <laughs> part. <laughs> I mean, if you had Joe Curie as, like, a little side piece... I mean, look at this hair. Every single... Just anybody listening to us right now, if you're not in a car, if you're somewhere where you can safely go onto Google Images, just type in Joe Curie. Does he have this hair also, like... In real life? Oh, my God. Every single picture of him is the most magnificent hair I've ever seen in my oh, life. Oh, you're right. Yep. That's his thing. God, I want to shave his head and wear it as a wig. <laughs> in some pictures, they look a little mullety. Yeah. You got to be you gotta be real careful when your hair is that long and you kind of do that 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 pompadour-y, uh-huh. coiffy-looking thing. Um, it can quickly turn into a mullet. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a fine line you walk. Yeah. Any good hairstylist can lead you in the right direction. Yeah. Any bad one can quickly lead you in the wrong one. <laughs> yeah, don't go to Great Clips. <laughs> uh, no offense see, to anyone who works It's easy Clips. for me because I just shave my head because <laughs> I, I, no I don't have much hair left to begin with. <laughs> no wonder you like his hair so much. Yeah. All right. Well, Alex, I found you a Christmas present. You did? I did. 
we got a little bit of news about toys today. Toys. So one of the most exciting things that NECA revealed at San Diego Comic-Con this year was the ultimate figure of Hellraiser icon Pinhead. And the official image is available now. He's featuring an all-new sculpt and tons of nightmarish detail with pins all over his head to the tools of torture dangling over his vinyl skirt. Uh, comes with two interchangeable heads, one with his mouth open and one with his mouth closed. Um, and both versions of the Lament configuration puzzle boxes, one open, one closed. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a seven-inch scale figure, and it is set to arrive in early 2020. So Pinhead has his belly button pierced. He does. <laughs> he does. <laughs> is that something that we knew about him? I certainly didn't. I didn't. It's a so you're you're the resident yeah uh, Hellraiser fan right? How do you feel about this? I think it looks great. Yeah, yeah, it looks super realistic. All right, so if this happens to show up on your doorstep one day, I bet you this is frightfully expensive. Uh, did it say how much do these things usually run? Like two hundred bucks. That's that's about what I would guess. That's what I would guess. I just love that he has his. Oh, I don't know, man. Like it's some a, of these are like actually surprisingly affordable. Affordable. I mean, I think depending. So the the Halloween Ultimate Michael Myers figure is twenty seven dollars. Oh, um, is it seven inches though? It is over seven inches, oh. over twenty five points of articulation. But the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles nineteen ninety movie Shredder, mm-hmm. uh, which is a quarter scale replica, so it's eighteen inches. So that's a lot bigger. Right. Uh, that one's one hundred and twenty bucks. Okay, so these ones seem to be. I'm, uh, I'm not... it, it looks like all the seven inch ones are somewhere in the twenty five to forty dollar range. Oh, okay. Um, there's a Robocop ten inch one that's seventy five. The Alien Xenomorph is thirty inches. Jesus Christ, I think it's fucking huge. Um, and that one's one hundred and twenty. So that doesn't seem too expensive. No. Also, I will. I will admit, I'm not too uh, familiar with the price of action figures. So, um, let's see if I can. Should have done this earlier. I didn't even think about it. Going to their. So this is on Big Bad Toy Store. This isn't directly from NECA. Okay. Okay. So the Hellraiser Ultimate Pinhead figure is available for pre-order on BigBadToyStore.com for twenty-seven dollars. Okay. That's not bad. No, it's not. The my only complaint with this now that I'm looking at it a little <coughs> bit deeper is I think that just the pins look a little too thick. Yes. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like it looks like he has like nails in his head. Yeah. I think if they made them any like thinner, thinner they'd be too flimsy and they'd break off. Right. Um I don't like the variant with his the variant of the head with his mouth open. I think it looks a little weird. Yeah. Um, but aside from that, I think, I think this is pretty cool for, yeah, for less than $50. I feel like this is a nice little action figure. Yeah. Um, and their site has this saying estimated to arrive in December of this year. Okay. Uh, so who knows? Who knows? There's also a, uh, packaging grade where you can do a collector's edition packaging. I don't know what that means. Probably like a stiffer box or something. Yeah. Um, also, not necessarily about a toy, but toy-related at Toy Fair 2019, whatever that is, Todd McFarlane was interviewed. Uh, mostly, it's about an hour-long interview available on YouTube. Um, most of it is him talking about, you know, writing for Spawn, writing for uh, Spider-Man, I think it was, mm-hmm. um, and all of that. But Todd McFarlane, being Todd McFarlane, can't go <laughs> more than 30 minutes without talking about 
his Spawn movie. Um, so, according to Todd, and I'm just going to call him Todd. <laughs> it's, it's Todd now. It's Todd. You're Todd now. Uh, an unknown writer is polishing the current script, saying, right now it's being polished by another writer-director from the script that we had handed him. He's supposed to be done with it here in a few weeks, and then once we sort of go back and forth and tighten it up a little bit, then we're going to go to Hollywood and we're going to get a yes or a no. My money's on a no. I'm so fucking tired of hearing this guy talk about this goddamn movie. He goes on to say, here's what I can tell you. I have people with money on the sidelines. There are people that are going to help me make this movie. The question is, do we go into Hollywood, make a deal with Hollywood, go and make the production, and then come back? Or do I take the outside money, go make it, and then come back to Hollywood and sell it to them? Either way, the movie's coming. It's not an if, it's a when. I just think it would be better (laughs) for the process if we could attach one of the studios in advance, then go put it out. Because then we'd be able to make an announcement of the release date, knowing that it's coming, instead of making it and trying to get the release date later. I am fully expecting this man to blow... All he said he wanted was $20 million. $20 million, that's right. I'm fully expecting this guy to blow $20 million of some unsuspecting poor sap's money and never have this movie see the light of day. You're right. Um... This is one of those things I really want to stop talking about. I know. I, I, I want to do the same thing that we did with the movie we just won't name anymore. Oh, put a gag order on it. <laughs> but it's hard to do when Todd just gives us so much great shit it, to I make was going to say, him. he makes it very difficult. Because unlike that other movie that we won't... No one was saying anything. It just... No. Just, other just, than a hard hard PG-13. Hard PG-13. But God, Todd McFarlane just... It's, relentlessly annoying give it a give it a rest todd nobody wants this movie <laughs> shut up todd especially for 20 million dollars nobody wants this movie no nope. just, just chill todd no nope. just keep keep drawing comic books you're good at that yep so good so good so amazingly we talented. love your comics we love the character yep we love the character respond we just don't we don't need this movie you know who i wouldn't want to have a drink with at a bar todd todd mcfarland <laughs> yeah I don't want to drink with anybody named Todd at a bar. <laughs> Especially not this Todd. And if you're listening to, if anybody out there listening to us right now is named Todd and you want to have a drink with us, just don't tell me your name's Todd. Tell me your middle name. Make something <laughs> up. And then I'll have a drink with you. You can be whoever you want. Just don't be Todd. Yeah. All right. Finally, this week on the headlines, and this one's just to make Palmer happy, even though he's not here. Resident Evil 3. Uh, Alex is going to go to sleep for a few minutes. I'm going to drink my beer. <coughs> uh, so box like art variants. Yeah. <laughs> Box art variants have dropped for Resident Evil 3. Uh, we've got a redesigned Jill Valentine, Carlos Oliveira, and a uh, brand new Nemesis. Uh, not really brand new. He just seems to have gotten some dental work. Hmm. Um, big overhaul for all of them. Nemesis has a crazy set of teeth. Jill's finally put on some practical clothing. And Carlos has uh, apparently paid attention to uh, good old Joe Keery and grown out his hair. <laughs> um, the Game Awards are coming out next to- coming up next week. Uh, so we should get a more official announcement and then uh, probably a release next year. Also released was the official name for Project Resistance, which is shockingly Resident Evil Resistance. Uh, box art is out there as well. And you get six playable survivors um, and a great big baddie that looks a lot like Wesker. That looks like who? Wesker. Oh. Um, so that'll do it for the headlines. We got a few movies to talk about and then we're going to go across the sea. All right, so first up this week comes out on December 3rd on VOD from High Octane Pictures. We've got Blood Bags. Terrible name. 
terrible name. A monster stalks the corridors of an abandoned mansion, targeting those curious enough to find themselves inside. Two friends break in and discover that all exits have been sealed off, and the creature that hunts them is growing hungry for their blood, and there is no escape. Uh, it's an Italian flick uh, in English, so no subtitles. Mm, just uh, great dubs. Yeah. Kind of like old, kind of maybe, maybe this turns out to be like a modern giallo. Okay, there we go. Uh, next up, we got In Fabric on the 6th on VOD. This one from A24. Uh, in Fabric is a haunting ghost story set against the backdrop of a busy winter sales period in a department store and follows the life of a cursed dress as it <laughs> passes from person to person with devastating consequences. Sorry, did you say it's like Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants but with a dress? Yes, exactly like that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Uh, I'm in. <laughs> uh, next up, also on the 6th on VOD and getting a slight, small, limited theatrical run, Daniel Isn't Real. Uh, this one comes from Samuel, Samuel Goldwyn Films and SpectreVision, the hmm. production company behind our favorite, Mandy. Uh, troubled college freshman Luke suffers a violent family trauma and resurrects his childhood imaginary friend Daniel to help him cope. Charismatic and full of manic energy, Daniel helps Luke to achieve his dreams before pushing him to the very edge of sanity and into a desperate struggle for control of his mind and his soul. Ooh. Uh, and finally, this week also on the 6th from Sabin Films, I See You. When a 12-year-old boy goes missing, lead investigator Greg Harper struggles to balance the pressure of the investigation and troubles with his wife, Jackie. Facing a recent affair, great strain is put on the family that slowly gnaws away at Jackie's grip on reality, but after a malicious presence manifests itself in their home and puts their son Connor in mortal danger, the cold hard truth about evil in the Harper household is finally uncovered. Mm. Um, pretty high bar being set for this one, because it's getting compared a lot to Don't Breathe and Get Out. Oh my. Those are some big shoes to fill. Uh, that said, there's a couple of like teasers available. Um, <laughs> looks like shit. No. <laughs> The teasers are stupid. Uh, I don't get it. Like, one of them is the dad, like, chasing his, what can only be, I'm assuming, his son's hamster. Okay. Um, and he, like, goes into a closet to get him, and the closet door shuts, and he can't get out, and then he opens it, and his wife is there, and she's like, what are you doing? And he's like, well, what are you doing? And then the trailer ends. Okay. Like, what? Is it just a poorly edited trailer, or does it actually look, does the movie seem dumb to you? The the two teasers I've seen the, make the movie look dumb. Uh huh. But they're teasers. And yeah. So who knows? Who knows? Who knows? I hate teasers. Yeah. Just give us the full shebang. Not every movie needs a teaser. No, this is very true. Um, you know, there are some things where teasers work, like Suspiria. Mm -hmm. If like if, if the movie's been done before and it's a reimagining or something, a teaser works really well, especially if it's just like teasing artwork or some shit. Right. Um But not every movie deserves or needs a teaser. Especially multiple teasers. Right. Um, that said, the flip side is, you know, we also bitch and moan about trailers ruining whole we movies. We do. <laughs> um, Are so, you saying that we bitch and moan about too many things, Sam? Are we people on the internet? <laughs> Are we people on a podcast? I think so. <laughs> All right. Meh. Let's, uh, let's hop on a boat. Go overseas and grow it. Well, I can't grow shit out. I can do a skullet. Oh. I can do a skullet. Okay, cool. You can shave your hair into weird things and you could have a mullet and we can hang out with this little kid baby rambo baby rambo ladies and gentlemen welcome to tonight's main event oh yes listen to the sweet sweet tones oh baguette i love the baguette or oh, maybe a nice 
tous des croissants. Oh, c'est croissant. How is your papier mâché coming along? Oh, it's almost ready. I will defend my house and my honor with my papier mâché. No one will stop me. Not even the 1980s technology. I have a screen on my wrist and cameras everywhere. My house is a fortress. <laughs> oh, beautiful, beautiful. So, kick it off this month, which I don't think we told anybody. We're doing Christmas films because it's that time of year. It is. It's to be expected. To be expected. We're doing a uh, stateside, lesser-known movie known as Deadly Games or Dial Code Santa Claus or Game Over or Hide and Freak or 3615 Code... What is it? Pierre Noel. Pierre Noel. <laughs> 3615 Code Pierre Noel. <laughs> there you go. Uh, what is this movie? Well, it's a... Uh, we'll get into that. It's like a French Home Alone. That's what they say. Before Home Alone was Home Alone. Uh, Sorry, I'm just enjoying this Parisian cafe music. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. I feel like I would like a cup of coffee right now. I will defend this coffee and scone with my life. A cafe au lait and a croissant. <laughs> do they do scones in France? Uh, I feel like that's a more British thing. Yeah, I don't know. I've never been to France. Do they do scones in Canada? In French Canada? No. No? It's croissants. Croissants. And like patisserie. <laughs> uh, yes. Is that patisserie? I don't know. <laughs> All right. Well, this movie... It was directed by René Manzot, also known as René Lalanne. Oh my god, is this the time of the podcast where we get to hear Sam pronounce? <laughs> yes, I'm going to do my I'm going to do my best Palmer impression. Okay. Uh, also written by the same guy. Uh, the score. What's his name again? Uh, René Manzot. <laughs> uh, the score is Jean-Félix Lalanne, who is René's brother, mm-hmm. and uh, produced by Francis Lalanne. Renee's other brother. So it's a family affair. It's a family affair. Oh, it gets better. The main character, Thomas Defremont, is played by Alain Lalanne, credited as Alain Moussy, <laughs> who is uh, the director's son. And uh, he grew up to be a graphic designer. There we go. Uh, Brigitte Fossey is Julie Defremont. Louis Decleur as Pappy. Uh, Patrick Florsheim as La Père Noël. <laughs> uh, Santa, for those of us that don't speak French or bad French, um, who's actually best known for uh, dubbing Robin Williams into French. Oh, all right. Yeah. Uh, Francois-Éric Gingeron as Roland. <laughs> Stéphane Legros as Pilou. Franck Capieri as La Policier. Is that, is that how you say police in French? Policier, the police, yeah. Uh, whoop whoop that's the sound of the police <laughs> <laughs> doesn't work as well in no that it does language. not how do you say whoop whoop in french <laughs> 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 sound like foghorn leghorn <laughs> uh nicole rocher as louise uh some guy named gedeon as charles uh charles de Ferrell as casre de printips um and then some other people who are less important. The little girl, the clown, the, sh- the, chauffeur, the chauffeur, and responsible stock. What the hell is that? 
I don't know. And then the dog. I'm assuming those are just like the house people. Yeah. Uh, don't forget the dog. Yeah. Don't forget the dog. Uh, Kenui. <laughs> is was it the dog's credited name? Yeah. No. His so he's Jr. Yes. But his real name is Kenalui. Kenalui. <laughs> Kenalu. Kenalu. So, this movie opens up to a black screen with a bunch of text uh, in French that is translated in subtitles saying, All children believe in magic and cease to do so only when they grow up, except those who have been too disappointed by reality to expect any reward from it. Uh, This quote is credited to someone named Bruno Bettelheim. Ah, very wise. Very wise. Bruno Bettelheim. I'm going to see who this person is. Is he famous? Do we need do we do we care what Bruno Bruno Bettelheim has to say? I mean, I don't, but apparently he's an Austrian-born public intellectual and author who spent most of his time in the US. Okay. Um and spent most of his time writing about autism. Oh. And emotionally disturbed children as well as Freudian psychology. Uh yeah, fitting. Yeah, yeah. Um <laughs> If you've never seen this movie before, uh, go ahead and cue up some uh, talking heads. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is it? Psycho? What is that talking heads song? Oh. Psycho Killer. Yes. Cue up some Psycho Killer. Listen to it like 17 times in a row, um, and that'll, that'll perfectly set you up for what this movie is. <laughs> All right, so... The actual movie opens up to winter with kids in a big snowball fight and a possibly homeless looking man or homeless man looking on. Uh, He tries to get involved, pelting some poor, unsuspecting child with a snowball only for the kids to run away because he's not part of the gang. And, uh, you know, stranger danger. And he's creepy as fuck. He's creepy as fuck. He's Um, got crazy eyes. Yeah. He's wandering around. He's got a little hat on. He's got a bright yellow scarf. He's just he just wants to play. He's creepy. He is creepy. Uh, So then we cut over. And we see a kid, Thomas de Fremont, who I'm just going to call Tommy, uh, passed out in an old school warplane with his dog, JR, passed out in the seat behind him with uh, American radio war footage being played, only to be awoken by some random cuckoo clock. Yes. Uh, don't really know what where... the significance of that is. Yeah. And there doesn't seem to be any. <laughs> it's, um, it's just a striking image. <laughs> so he wakes up. He wakes up Jr. and thus begins a weird French child-focused Rocky montage. Oh my god! Including one of the strangest covers of "Eye of the Tiger" I've ever heard. Uh, we've got a shirtless kid rowing, uh, sharpening his giant Rambo knife and There's gearing like sweat up. Sweat on his arm. Oh, he's glistening. It's very he's glistening. weird. It's baby Rambo. Super creepy. He's gearing up as a weird soldier ninja Rambo thing, and he's playing with big fake guns strapped to the gills with grenades and rocking the dopest mullet you'll ever see on that side of the Atlantic. Yep. That's an American mullet there. That is an American mullet. Yeah. That is a 70s American mullet. <laughs> yeah, it is. And this movie is from the 80s. <laughs> yeah. Like, this is almost 1990. Yeah. This mullet was transported 20 years into the future <laughs> and went overseas. This is a world-traveling mullet. Yep. Uh, so then we see this kid face painted up, fully just armed to the gills, playing Rambo in this giant empty house with his dog as the bad guy, blasting the sound of gunfire and helicopters over giant 80s speakers. Uh, There's some cool camera work that we see right off the bat here, uh, (laughs) where you see Tommy kind of like scaling a wall. It looks like he's climbed out on a window, and he's scaling the wall to another window, and then the camera zooms out, and he's just on a giant balcony. You know, he's having fun. He's doing make-believe. That's cool stuff. It's very diehard. Yeah, I used to do shit like that all the time. (laughs) Uh, But this is the first glimpse we get of this massive fucking house. Right. Um, There's a lot of camera work that we're going to see throughout the movie. Um, Affectionately known as the mansion. Yeah, affectionately known as the mansion. Um, 
So he, he makes it to the other doorway. He turns and bang, finds a dog, jumps on some uh, sleeping old dude, chases his dog out the room, um, sticks what can only be called like fake ninja stars, yeah, I guess, yeah, to the like dog's fur. Stars. And opens up a fucking trap door <laughs> yep. in the middle of this nice parquet floor, which catches the dog in a net underneath. The dog is fine. Dog's totally fine. The dog likes it. The dog's having a great time. JR's having a blast. They're playing. Uh, he throws one of his grenades only for it to be caught by his mom, Julie, who tells him to wake up his old blind diabetic grandfather, <laughs> Pappy, uh, and free the dog and come have some brekkie. So he wakes up the old man. Instead of like a normal person where he just goes in and like pokes him once or twice. Right. Nope. Wanders into a completely different room, swaps out a bunch of old routing cables and screams into a microphone, then threatens to shoot the old bastard if he doesn't get a move on. Um, at which point, I'm convinced that he's the villain in this movie. Okay. Then. That that Tommy's the bad guy. <laughs> Tommy's a fucking crazy kid. Um, and he and he even drags his grandfather down to breakfast, uh, handcuffed. handcuffed, and calls him a half blind diabetic old prisoner. <laughs> real, he loves, he real loves nice it. kid. He, but Pappy's having a great time. Pappy's having a great time. They can't, totally they totally entertain his childish <coughs> antics. Can't fucking see where he's going, but he's having a wonderful time. Um. He loves his toys, and he loves his croissants. Yes, he does. Um, they're all having breakfast. Dad briefly gets mentioned, and everyone gets oddly quiet. So maybe Dad's a bad guy. Uh, Dad died. Dad died. Dad died. R.I.P. to Dad. R.I.P. to Dad. We'll learn more about Dad later. Uh, his obnoxious, chunky friend in a Ferrari hat, Pilou, uh, comes over. Next we see him. They're, they're sitting around in his room. Um... Oh, no, sorry. He's not even there yet. He's talking about Pilou. Uh, Pilou says Santa isn't real, and uh, his parents buy presents for him. Um, but he's an asshole. Yeah, so Pilou tells him that Santa Claus doesn't exist. Yeah, he's an is, asshole. Which is real fucked up to do. Yeah. Jessica Fisher. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Damn. Some deep-seated neuroses there. Yep. Fuck you, Jessica. Uh, Julie agrees. She says, uh, of course Pilou doesn't believe in Santa. He's rude to his parents. He doesn't do his schoolwork. And that's why Santa says, fuck off to Pilou. Yeah, so his parents have to deliver his presents. Which I think is a very creative way of explaining yeah. that to your children. Yeah. If you want your kids to still believe in Santa. If you're going to be a fuck up, yeah. Santa's not going to bring you shit. Yeah. And if Santa doesn't bring you shit, you're not going to believe in him. Right, so your parents have to bring him stuff. So yeah. yeah. I was like, that good save, Mom. Think on our toes. Real good save. Yeah, that's um, Wonder Kid Tommy says, uh, I'm done writing letters to Santa. I don't need to. I can order them through Minitel. Yes. Mom says, I guess. You should write a letter anyway. Which he's already done. Pulls it out, gives it to Mom. Right. Um, what the fuck is Minitel? I was going to say, let's talk a little bit about what is Minitel. So did you... I yeah. Did, I, did you know what this was? No. Okay. So I read... I had to read the wiki page about it. Yeah. So Minitel is a basic version of the internet... It was invented in France in the uh, early 1980s and allowed access to commercial and private addresses along with chat rooms. The code to access most of the services was 3615 and then the name of the company. The Minitel died in 2012, being fully replaced by the internet as we currently know it, but lasted. But while it lasted, it was an incredibly useful tool. Um, but with all technology can be misused, and uh, the director, Rene Manzor, created the perfect evil tool I made a brilliant job turning it into a kid's worst nightmare. So it's just like a chat room? <coughs> More or less. It's okay. a it's a terminal-based chat room, yeah. Okay. Um, 
But you can like send messages back and forth. You can do faxing and all that stuff that we okay. see him do later. And it was good till 2012 people were using this? Yeah, I, I mean, in the 2000s, it wasn't as widely used as it was in the 80s and 90s. Okay. Uh, but it was still available. Oh. It wasn't officially killed off until 2012. Okay. Um, so Julie's... Uh, Julie's got to go. Breakfast is over. Thomas is not impressed. Uh, Julie's friend shows up, and Tommy calls them her cohort. That's right. Uh, so she fucks off and leaves Tommy to look after Pappy, but says she'll be home late because she's got an important meeting. Right. Um, which I think is just quote code for boning. I don't know. She seems like a pretty high-powered business lady who has a lot going on, Sam. Well, I you don't know she's a high-powered business lady She's the yet. CEO. Yes, she do. Because she makes that comment about someone, Pappy was talking about this toy store, and she's like, maybe I'll buy that one, too. And he says, don't you own enough toy stores? Uh, Maybe I read it backwards, then. I thought they were talking about Pappy as the one owning all the stores. No, no, she is the CEO. All right. She's got that power blazer on. She does have that power blazer on. She owns toy stores. It's like the FAO Schwartz of France. Yeah, totally. Um, We we do see that the car she gets into with her cohort is some dude with a cool car and even cooler hair. He kind of looks like Steve from... He's a French Steve. <laughs> from Stranger Things. He's a French Steve. But no kids. Um, but we see her at work uh, talking to the cool hair dude, um, saying no matter how old Tommy gets, he's still going to believe in Santa, and she wants to make this Christmas great. Um, cut back to the house, and Thomas's mullet is trying to reach Santa via his <laughs> program, 3615 called Pierre Noel. <laughs> and this is where we actually get to meet Pilou. Uh, who's being a real prick. Yeah, Pilu sucks. Yeah, Pilu does suck. Um, Thomas says, fuck you, get out. Um, I'm not going to do your homework anymore. I'm not going to help you. You're you're being an asshole. Um, but then Santa mysteriously responds via the Minitel. He does. Uh, super creepy. Yeah, super creepy. Pilu comes back uh, into the room, and Thomas is like, if you don't believe him, why don't you ask him some questions? So he does, and he asks Santa... Is it true you have midgets working for you in stores? And Thomas calls Pilu an idiot. Uh, and then Pilu thinks they're on a kink message board. That's right. Uh, which which they, really is chat rooms. Yeah, they're on a chat room. Uh, and they should disconnect. Um, because Pilu might be a dick, but he's a realist, wise beyond his years, and a seer into the future yep. of what we currently know as the internet. <laughs> um, how do we see this uh, come to fruition? Well... Uh, Santa, on the other side, says, Do you want to play with me? Give me your address. Um, I want to drop some coal in your stocking. By which, of course, I mean taking a hobo shit in your soon-to-be-slit throat. Part of that was paraphrased, and if you haven't seen this movie, you're going to have to watch to find out which part. I had some flashbacks to, uh, Yahoo chat rooms. Yeah, right? <laughs> what, where do you live? The only thing that was missing was ASL. ASL. <laughs> uh, turns out the weirdo stranger from the opening is talking to Thomas from the pay-as-you-go Minitel kiosk in the mall. Uh, Thomas does tell him that his mom works at Printemps, which is a department store, and he goes to apply to be Santa mm-hmm. because Julie wants Santas everywhere. Santas and elves and workshops. She yeah. wants to She wants to have it be a full blowout. Cover France with elves and the Santas. The day before Christmas. She's such a high-powered CEO. The person who asked her this question should be the CEO. Why didn't you at- tell us this a month ago? <laughs> she was busy. She was busy. She's a single mom. I get it. Uh, so we cut back to the house. Thomas is now suddenly fixing his mom's car, saying she should sell it, which is a classic Ford Taunus GXL. Uh, and she should sell it and buy a Ferrari Testarossa. So Who told her that? 
Tommy's telling uh, Pappy that oh, when okay. he's fixing the car. Okay. Uh, he fixes it up and hops behind the wheel to go for a drive with Gramps in the passenger seat to make sure everything's up and running. Uh, and then decides once he gets back to the house, he's going to set up a security system to record and capture Santa. Although, you know, his mother warned him that you're not supposed to see Santa. Well, she hasn't warned him yet. Oh, she hasn't? Not yet. We're almost there. I was going to say, why doesn't he listen to his mother? <laughs> he should listen to his mother. You got to go to sleep, kid. Yeah. You got to go to sleep. So we come back to see our friendly neighborhood stranger next scene tossing free candy to children. <laughs> I don't know where his rape van is, and they don't either. Uh, but he gets fired from his Santa job at Print Temps after Julie sees him slap a child named Marion, <laughs> who accused him of not being the real Santa by saying, of all things, I don't like your face. Yep, it and was... then pulling his fucking beard off. <laughs> it was so funny because I feel like literally 10 seconds before she said that, I was like, I don't like that guy's face. <laughs> it's a weird it's a weird fake beard. Yeah. Because it's like pointy and it's narrow. It's ghoulish. It is ghoulish. That's yeah. a good word for it. And you can see his actual beard like off to the sides behind it. And he has, it's not a good look. No, and he has very aggressive eyebrows. Yeah, he does. That are like pointed out, like that are wisping off of his face. He does look like a legit psycho. He does look, he looks like almost um, like he could play a good Grinch. <laughs> yeah, I could see that. With those weird eyebrows. I could see that. And pointy beard. So he gets fired uh, because, you know, you just, you can't hit kids. Can't slap kids. Can't slap kids. Not in 80s France, not in almost 2020 USA. Can't hit kids. <laughs> uh, it's just like rule number one, especially if you're Santa. You're ruining some poor kids Christmas. Yeah. Like that kid, you want to talk about kids not believing in Santa anymore. If Santa slapped me in the face. Mm. I'm done believing in you, bro. I feel like if she said that she didn't like my face, I just would have told her that I didn't like her face. Yeah. That's fair. Yeah. Well, so, you're not, you're obviously not getting braces for Christmas, you little shit. Santa's, Fuck you and your stupid teeth. <laughs> yeah. Santa doesn't like your face. Yeah. And that's why we don't work as mall Santas. That's why we don't work as mall Santas. Uh, so our homeless friend subsequently steals a Santa costume and hitches a ride to Julie's home in the back of a delivery van, which is supposed to drop off some presents for Tommy. Um, when they get there, he kills the driver. Uh... By dragging him into the back of the van, um, and then goes, knocks on the door, uh, meets the groundskeeper and the chef, and it is presumed that he kills them as well. Yes. Uh, cool hair guy is actually named Roland. This is the first time we actually catch his name. Roland. Roland. I'm, uh, I, I think it's better if he's a Steve, French Steve. <laughs> so French Steve tells Julie to take his car and go home to Thomas, while she, he stays late to handle the accounting, because they had a huge day. And you don't want to wait 48 hours to get that money in the bank. No, man. Uh, so she calls home to tell Thomas to go to bed. Because if he stays up and sees Santa, Santa's going to turn into an ogre. That's right. So uh, we cut back to our Santa killer who finds a can of spray snow. Snow spray. Something like that. Yes. And decides to paint his hair and beard with snow spray. Oh, okay. So it wasn't just... It, was, it wasn't just spray paint? No, it was not just spray paint. <laughs> it's called that. snow I thought, spray. I thought he was just spray painting his beard. Uh, and then he breaks into the mansion through the chimney at midnight uh, by dropping a rope down the chimney. Uh, and he gets attacked by JR uh, with Tommy kind of hiding under the table watching everything happen. He uh, he reaches for like a cake cutter. Uh, yeah, like, and, a, like it looks like you could eat French cheese with it. Yes, and stabs JR right in the fucking throat with it, killing yeah. him almost instantly. It was pretty bad. Right in front of Thomas, <laughs> who is now convinced 
that Santa's turned into an ogre. Well, you should have listened to his mom all. Uh, so interestingly about snow spray, I went out to dinner tonight with Mary Beth and her mom. And where we went had like a little kind of potted mini fern yeah. tree, something that was covered in snow spray. And then uh, my mother-in-law started asking me if I knew what snow spray was. Right. Prior to this movie, did. I did not. Right. She's like, yeah, we used to use this all the time, but then people stopped using it because I think it's flammable. I think <laughs> like, it is. Most likely. I know um, someone who makes, um, like, a, how do you say, like, miniature versions of, like, scenery and, like, trains and mm-hmm. some of that. They use a lot of snow spray for that. Yeah. Uh, apparently, it does a great job turning whatever you want into whatever <laughs> color to white. Yeah. Um, so Thomas gets up, he runs away, he grabs Pappy and tries to escape via the busted Ford, uh, but the car dies as Thomas, uh, is busy debating running over Santa, uh, cause he, he doesn't want to hurt anybody, he's just a kid. You should've run him over. Should've run him over. Uh, so they're forced to roll up the windows, uh, which for our younger listeners, it's an actual thing, manually rolling up windows, there's a crank <laughs> you had to turn, and it took forever, um, and it was awful. Uh, they lock the doors and wait as Santa smashes his own face into the windshield, proving once and for all that Santa's a psycho. And then grabbing a random sledgehammer that happens to be in the garage and beating the shit out of that car until it looks the way it runs. Uh, they make a break and run back inside and they sneak through a false wall back into Thomas's room. Uh, turns out Santa got in because Thomas turned off the alarm system uh, because Pappy forgot to. Idiot. I mean, he doesn't want Santa to trip any alarms. I don't give a fuck what he feels about Santa. But if Santa's magical, he should just be able to get around the alarms. Yeah. For a smart kid, Tommy's kind of dumb. I know, and I really do feel like in the beginning of this movie, they really emphasize how much of a genius yeah. Tommy is. He's which, a wonder kid. Right, which explains how he's able to like use the internet to talk to that guy. and How he's wired up the entire house with a state-of-the-art right. security system and very, speakers everywhere yeah. in 1989. Right, so they really do make a, a huge point of, of pointing out that he is a genius. Um, but he does a lot of real stupid things. He does a lot of 10-year-old things. Yeah, well, you can't be a genius and be stupid. It's true. <laughs> I guess he's a genius but lacks common sense. There you go. No common sense for Thomas. Um, they they talk about this as they're walking through a room that's bigger than my house, which is filled with all of his dad's toys. It looks like... A, uh, is that the one with the ship, right? Mm-hmm. It looks like the fucking cave from the Goonies. It does. It looks <laughs> a lot like that. The the weird rope bridge Yeah, looks straight out of the Goonies. It does. Um, Thomas decides that he's going to make a run for the phone in his mom's office. But first, he's got to get back into Rambo mode. Um, so at this point, he was in his PJs waiting That's for right. Santa. Um, but, you know, you can't fight Santa in your PJs. you got to be well-equipped. Yep, that motherfucker's magic. Um, he gets out, uh, and he's he's using all the <clears throat> security cameras to track Santa's whereabouts. Um, Santa sees it and starts destroying all of them. Uh, and he eventually runs into Thomas, who happens to run into him in the most convenient place in the house, the same hallway with the trap door that he trapped JR earlier. Uh, he uses a trap door to capture him long enough to get past but in his panic, he accidentally locked down all the windows in the house. Because, um, you know, this house is just a fucking death trap. Who? I know. What? Why did they let this? Where in France do you live that you have to have security windows? It, right. Especially if you're a CEO of a toy store. You gotta be the nicest person on fucking earth to own a toy store. 
and you're that worried about people that you're you're gonna have security windows. People want them toys. Okay, they live in this castle. They call it a mansion. It's, it's a fucking castle. It's a fucking castle. And they I like let, how every time we talk about the house, it gets bigger. And they, <laughs> they let this child have free range of this castle, essentially. Yeah. To do whatever it is that he wants with it. Yeah. And it is his toy store. One of my favorite parts, though, is the scene where he remembers about the trap door. And it's kind of like his face and then his memory is like on the side. Yeah. It's kind of like those really weird uh, like 80s glamour shots. Yep. Where they superimpose the picture <laughs> like on the top. <laughs> oh, it was so good. So he makes it to Julie's office, which is the dumbest office that's ever been built in the history of offices. What's dumb about it? It's a fucking mat- rat maze. Yep. So you see him running around, running around, going, like, run down one hallway, turn around, run down another. How there are this many hallways, I'll never know. Because it's a castle. Because it's a castle. But then the camera pans up to an overhead shot where you see Thomas standing in literally the middle of what can only be considered a rat maze. Yep. Um, but he finally makes it upstairs uh, to find the phone, yet somehow... Our magical homeless Santa ogre mm-hmm. climbed out of the trap. Yep, made it all the way there. Mm-hmm. Got through the maze in one shot. He's really good at mazes. And got to the phone first. I think the maze, in in a lighter, more jovial setting, is supposed to be whimsical, yeah. like a toy store. You yeah. know, like it's fun. But when you're escaping, when a, you're a panicking ten year old, yeah, it's not so. It's not so whimsical. That's true. But on a bright sunny day. If you know your way, it's it's fun. Okay, I, I like your your optimistic outlook on this. Yeah, I'm waiting for the day where you turn a room in your house into a maze. <laughs> Their garden's like a maze too. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of mazes with this house. Um, it's a castle. It's in this in this <laughs> castle mansion. Um, so Thomas climbs out on the roof. Santa warns him that he'll fall. So at this point. Well, Santa's been kind of crazy and has slapped one kid. Mm-hmm. He threw that snowball at the other kid. And threw a snowball at another kid. All it really seemed like he wanted to do at this point, he wanted to play games. He was only defending himself from a dog that was attacking him. And he was defending his honor from an asshole child. He broke into their house. and No, he was Santa. He went down the chimney. He killed. Allegedly. We don't know this for sure. He killed the delivery driver. That's the only one we do know. And he killed the two other people. Allegedly. And then he killed They answer the the door and then the screen cuts to a completely different scene. And then he killed the dog. The dog was attacking him. No. It's because he broke into their house. (laughs) That's what dogs are for. (laughs) Well, your dog's probably not. (laughs) My dog can't hear anybody coming in the front door. Uh, so the phone doesn't work, so Thomas needs to get to his computer to send a message, and he faxes Roland at the office, who seems to ignore it, and he faxes Pilu, who reads it, but who knows what that asshole kid's going to end up doing. I'm surprised he's still awake. Isn't this supposed to be Christmas Eve? Aren't yeah, these people be supposed to be asleep? He should be asleep. Well, I guess if Pilu doesn't believe in Santa Claus. But he's got Claus. that fax machine in his fucking bedroom, and those things make a ton of noise. Yeah. Also, if he doesn't believe in Santa Claus, then there's no reason for him to be asleep. Like, yeah, he knows be, his parents are buying him shit. Uh, so Pappy makes noise. In the giant toy room, uh, which gets the attention of Santa, who almost kills him. But Thomas saves him at the last second through another fake door that goes back into his bedroom. Uh, Pappy says he's just old, tired, crippled, holding Thomas back, which uh, we hear off screen as like a conversation between the two of them. Right. And we see Santa kind of going towards wherever that conversation is, only to find out 
that he walks into the in-house sauna, or in-castle sauna, <laughs> where there's a walkie-talkie that's broadcasting this, and Thomas traps him in. Um, unfortunately, we learn that rescuing Pappy broke Tommy's armband, so the windows won't open and they're stuck in this castle. Uh, Roland finally sees the facts at the office, and so, which says that uh, Tommy and Grandpa are being attacked by Santa. Come quick. Help. Um, <laughs> Send help. This whole time, Julie's been driving home. Yeah, how far away does Julie live? Uh, uh, the castle must be in the south of France, and her toy store must be in Paris. It, it does seem like the castle's in a very remote area. It, it has to be. Um, I mean, to have a house that big, you need some space. Yeah. So she's driving home, and she's been trying to call the house all night. Nobody's answering. Roland's been calling the house, and nobody's answering. Julie and Roland have been talking, telling each other that nobody's answering. Uh so she finally, finally makes a smart decision and decides to call the cops and then conveniently wrecks her car. <laughs> um, Santa, meanwhile, Oops. at the house, uh, escapes a sauna. Pilu gets on his bike and rides over to the house in the snow. Uh, Tommy uses a blowtorch to open up some control panel and unlock all the windows. And then he gets caught by Santa. Uh, in doing so, he drops his what started out looking kind of real... Turns out to be a giant fake plastic Rambo knife. Right. Um, and while he's trying to make a run for it, Santa lashes out and cuts him in the leg with his uh, cake cutter thingy. <laughs> um, it's for I think it's for cheese. Or ch- that's no. More- it was on a the 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 platter that he pulled it off had like cake on it. Oh, I thought it was a cheese board. Might have been a cheese board. I think it's cheesecake. Okay, we'll meet in the middle. All right, because cheesecake. Cheese just seems so much more French than cake. That's true. No, no, but the cake. Casa da <laughs> the cake is French too, I guess. <laughs> um, Pilu walks in the front door just in time to see Tommy get cut. Uh, makes a run for it on his bike, getting chased by Santa. Because Santa says, well, this this little fucker's on the floor with a cut up leg. He's not going anywhere. Uh, <laughs> he manages to barely get away, uh, almost getting hit by a car in the process. <laughs> um, and then we come back inside. And it turns out Grandpa is now hiding in a giant suit of armor that's in the, like, foyer, I guess. Yeah. Um, Which is a very creative place to hide him. It is. But I don't know that he would be able to stand for that long. No, but at the same time, I imagine that suit... He's he's old and weak. It holds um, him up? I think it holds him up. I think he just kind of, like, slouches down in it, and okay. it just, like, holds him. Okay. I was going to say, because I would be very uncomfortable. Um, Poor Pappy. Tommy gets on the in-house speaker system and threatens Santa, which really, I don't think at least is a good way to get presents. No. I don't think you're going to get much under the Christmas tree if you do that. At this point, is he still expecting to get presents? No, maybe. <laughs> um, he builds himself a splint or a crutch for his oh leg. Oh my god, it's this stu- he gets stabbed, right? So he, gets, he didn't break anything. He doesn't even get sla- stabbed, he gets like slashed on the leg. And it's like a fucking flesh wound. The most ridiculous splint. It's like a whole chair is attached to his leg. Yeah, it, it is. He actually, I think it, it was it's a like chair. half he, a chair, he yeah. Broke it, he broke it apart and rebuilt it into a giant, like, crush slash splint. It's ridiculous. And at this point, he still does not have <coughs> shoes on. No, he doesn't. So when he was outside on the roof of the house, in the snow, barefoot, uh, being chased by Santa, and he, like, cried a bunch out there. This is his home. Why doesn't he put any shoes on? He must have a hundred pairs. He obviously had time to, because he changed out of his PJs into yes, his Rambo outfit. But did not put shoes on. Rambo's no dummy. He wears shoes. Yeah, of course. Why isn't this kid wearing shoes? Because he's an idiot. Um, 
But at this point, we get another great montage. This one, slow, sad, sad music. A montage of him sadly burying JR, his dog, making a tracking device that he had on something else, <laughs> and staring wistfully at the moon out of his attic window. How does he have all this time? I'd imagine that, like, it's going to take you at least, what, 30 minutes? 45 minutes to, to an break hour. down the chair. Okay, 30 minutes to build the splint and stuff. Okay. And then an hour plus to bury the dog. Yeah. And then probably another hour to stare at the moon. So that's, and all this time. Mom's still on the side of the fucking road. And Pappy's just in the suit of armor. (laughs) Probably covered in piss and shit. Yeah. I mean, like, bury the dog later, dude. I know you're sad, but you got stuff to do. Yeah, man, that dog ain't going nowhere. Um, So at this point, we get our obligatory home invasion dumbwaiter moment. We get our darts, our booby trap set up a la Home Alone, where with dart guns and close-up camera angles that don't let you know where anything is. Uh, we get a tank of gasoline or kerosene. Uh-huh. We get uh, suction darts that he lights on fire. Yep. Uh, we get fake grenades turned into real grenades that are stuffed into toy trains. That almost blow up Pappy. That almost blow up Pappy. Uh, <laughs> you know, some real last minute no prep home defense. Uh, so this train bomb. He's uh, Tommy's hiding behind the tree. Mm-hmm. Santa walks into a room on one side. On the other side of the room, you got Pappy covered in piss in his suit of armor. <laughs> And the train bomb has a trigger on the front of it. And he sets it down and it goes towards Santa and dies right before it hits his foot. And Santa picks it up and whimsically laughs at it. He's he's legit fucking insane. Um, you know, picks up this toy, thinks it's hilarious, winds it back up, turns it around and sends it back the direction it was coming. I don't think he knew Tommy was there. No, I don't. And he definitely didn't know that there was dynamite in it. Yeah. Where did this kid get dynamite from? It looked like he was pulling apart fireworks or something. Okay. Um... The train makes its way past Tommy and then slowly creeps and creeps and creeps and creeps and is about to hit the suit of armor. So Tommy runs out to try to save Pappy. Santa sees Tommy, runs after Tommy. They catch up just as the trigger hits the suit of armor and nothing happens. Just a bunch of smoke. Mm. Um, Very anticlimactic. Very anticlimactic. Um, Santa just kind of wanders away at this point. And a cop finally shows up. Uh, Santa kills him off screen, goes back inside and captures Tommy for like the, what can only be the fourth time at this point, but immediately releases him saying, I win, you lose. Now I'll go hide myself and you'll seek. Okay. Count to 20 and no cheating. I'm very confused. Santa just wants to play games. He wanted to, he wanted to throw snowballs. He just, he just wanted to play games with kids. He's like a weird, he's like a weird pedophile. No. Cause yeah, he, he's not trying to fuck the kids. <laughs> Yet. He's like a, he's a weird non-pedophile version of Michael Jackson. Hee <laughs> 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 uh, Well, Tommy, uh, this is his house. He fucking cheats. He leaves the house after counting to three. Um, we finally get a glimpse of the guest house when Tommy runs in and we see the dead housekeeper or the chef, one of them, I don't know. See, they were dead. Crammed under a table. Uh, Tommy takes the cop car and calls, uh, calls in what's going on over the radio. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, that's where Santa was hiding, who then calls Tommy on his cheating bullshit as Tommy crashes the car. Tommy escapes yet again, trips over the dead cop, grabs a gun on the ground and aims at Santa, and then just starts crying. Santa's fucked up face has like 18 different kinds of scabs on it throughout yep. this whole movie, so it's changed yet again. 
Um, he shoots at Santa, he runs back inside, drops a gun at Pappy's armored feet, drops Pappy to the floor, who might be dead from his diabetes at this point. Um, from being old and diabetic. From being old and diabetic. So the whole reason that Tommy ran out in the first place was to get his insulin. He, he pries Pappy out of the armor, gives him his insulin shot, uh, and Santa walks back inside, and all of, and Tommy's like crying and everything. And then Pappy wakes up, he comes to, and he smokes that fucking Santa Claus. Uh, Mom and her cohort return home. Tommy's in shock, staring over a dead Santa, and apologizes to Mom, saying, "It's my fault, Mom. I just wanted to see Santa." What a movie! What a movie! It's really lucky that Pappy was able to shoot Santa, considering he could not see. Yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm honestly surprised he didn't accidentally shoot Tommy in the fucking face. He told him to and duck. Tommy's right fucking next to him. He told him to duck. Yeah. Um so that's our movie. That that's Home Alone in France. Uh so we're going to we're going to kick this off by talking a little bit about the history between this and Home Alone. Right. And uh which one's better? Uh so Home Alone came out in uh 1990 made by John Hughes. Everybody knows the movie, everybody loves the movie. Uh, what is it, Catherine O'Hara, is that her name? Yep. Uh, she's fantastic. She steals the show. Uh, this movie was made, uh, was widely released in January of 1990. Home Alone premiered November 16th of 1989. Uh, Renee says that, uh, they remade my movie. They stole my movie. I had no choice but to sue Fox, the studio that made the movie. Um... <laughs> John Hughes says he had never seen this movie. He did. He said he got the idea for Home Alone when he was in Europe, right? Uh, he was on his way to Europe. On his he way was, to Europe. Uh, he was en route to Paris for a family vacation. Oh, what a coincidence. What a coincidence. Ah. Um, so this movie was widely released in January of 1990. However, it was premiered at Cannes in May of 1989. Which left plenty of time for John Hughes to have seen this movie, cribbed it, and made his own version. You think so? Yeah. You think that's what happened? I don't think that's what happened. No. But the I, timeline could line up. The timeline could line up. I do think John Hughes probably saw this movie before Home Alone came out. Okay. Um, but I mean... Home so- Alone is a lot more upbeat. It's a lot, oh, well, God, it's a lot yeah. more fun. It's a lot cheerier. This movie is much darker. But much... children defending their territory from adults <laughs> is not a new premise. The, just the fact that it takes place on in a house and at Christmas time. In one location at Christmas time, and the kid is wise enough and MacGyver enough to booby trap the house. Right, but like they booby trap stuff in the Goonies. It's just not a house. But they do, they do actually booby trap a house. Yeah. And isn't it the guy who helped write or helped direct Home Alone? Wasn't he a writer for the Goonies? I think so. Yeah. Just saying. Yeah. So I don't. I don't think this movie was necessarily stolen. I think there might have been elements of it that kind of found its way into other movies. But like you said, it's not really a novel idea. No. Um. There's a lot more that seems to happen, at least in my recollection of Home Alone, regarding booby traps. There's yes. a lot more like screen time. Between like Kevin and the Wet Bandits, um, mm-hmm. versus Thomas and Deranged Santa. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also a lot more dialogue. There are points in this movie where there's no talking for like thirty minutes. Yeah, yeah, it's just 
Thomas it's running around. It's the longest 80s montage ever. Yeah. <laughs> it's obnoxious. Um, but one of the primary differences, Kevin was never shown in Home Alone to be like a child prodigy. No. He was a pain in the ass kid that his family fucking hated. Absolutely. Um, and somehow managed to booby trap his entire house. Whereas like from the onset, the second we meet Tommy, the, the kid is a legit genius. Right. Just, and they make sure that we know that. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's weird. Um, Home Alone is a, is a much more Christmassy movie. I think like, yes. I, I think that's, uh, I think that is a, I would consider Home Alone a Christmas movie. I would consider this a movie that happens during Christmas. Okay. Even though it takes place at Christmas time. And there's an actual Santa. And there's Santa. an actual Santa Claus. Yeah. I would, okay, this is a Christmas movie. If Die Hard is a Christmas movie, this is a Christmas movie. I mean, no, I, like, I think it's a Christmas movie, but I think Home Alone is... A, it's more Christmassy. It's more Christmassy. Well, I think Home Alone has that warm and fuzzy Christmas feeling. Yeah. Whereas everything is, like, red and green and warm and cozy, where this movie is blue and bleak. Yeah. And, and cold. And very cold. And apparently it's very taboo, or at least it was yes. at the time in France, to take... A holiday theme. Like Christmas specifically. Like Christmas specifically and turn it into something dark. Right. Well, people said the same thing about Black Christmas, though. Yeah. That was the first movie where they, you know, they took a a holiday that was so loved by all. Yeah. And flipped it around and made it creepy. Yeah. Uh, This movie was marketed as a kid-friendly movie. Oh, really? Yes. (laughs) Um, it's obviously not. No, I mean maybe French kids are more. Maybe French kids are <laughs> more Ramboy mullety than American kids, which is why this movie never. I mean, hit you couldn't the US. kill a dog in a kids movie. So let's talk about that though. The dog. The just the kills in general, but specifically the dog is the only one that's actually killed directly on screen. Yeah. Everything else happens after a cut or that's off right. to the side. Like, it's implied. The delivery driver's dragged into the back of the van. You never actually see him die. Mm-hmm. You see eventually the dead body of the cop. You eventually see the dead body of either the chef or the housekeeper. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you never actually see them die. No. Um. But the dog. You see the dog get stabbed directly in the fucking throat and pinned to the floor. Maybe people, maybe people don't revere their pets as much as... Is that a French thing? I don't know. Maybe. A, French, a, a France thing? I have no idea. You know, some countries don't care so much. That's not true. That they don't care. But no, I mean we. They're we, not as attached. The to their U.S. Pets. The U.S. does seem to hold domestic animals in a much higher regard than yes. a lot of other places in the world. They're like family members. Yeah. It's like killing Pappy. Yeah. But he was really good friends with his dog, so that I have a hard time thinking that that's the case. He seemed to hold his dog in very high regard. That's true. It's. I, I think it's a weird choice for that to be the only kill that shows up on the screen. And I, I, I don't know... I don't know if that was necessarily intentional at the outset of this right. movie. It's, it's just bizarre. I'm still having a really hard time wrapping my head around the fact that this is supposed to be a kid-friendly movie. <laughs> <laughs> it's creepy as shit. It is creepy. I, I, I but mean, again, the it, concept of it is... The Conceptually, it's just like Home Alone. It's kid defends his house from a home invader on Christmas Eve. Right. Um. Uh, part of it is like you you see Macaulay Culkin doing all those like there there was a few years ago it was him he did one Joe Pesci did one and the guy that played what was it Daniel Daniel something, something yeah um, they did like a a little series online 
okay. of Macaulay Culkin as Kevin McAllister all grown up coming right. for his revenge. That's right. Um, and so, like, there was that whole bit about it where, like, that's the logical conclusion of having your house invaded and defending it against two fucking strangers when you're eight years old or however old Kevin was. Yeah. I think it was Daniel Stern. Daniel Stern. Um, what what what's here? He just doesn't believe in Santa anymore. Yeah. That and that's that's the outcome. And after that, everything's back to normal. I mean, this kid looks. He looks traumatized. And that's the thing. He looks traumatized and shell shocked at the end of this. Whereas Kevin's just like, "Hey, mom, you're home. That's exciting." Yeah. Um, I, I feel like this has a much more realistic impact of the outcome of something like this as a child. Right. Like how it would affect a child if this actually happened to him. Yeah. Well, and he feels like it's his fault, right? Because yeah. He, he wanted to stay up and see Santa. Yeah. Mom told me not to. He's going to turn into an ogre. I turned Santa into an ogre. This mm-hmm. is on me. And then he killed my best friend. And then he killed my best friend. And all of our house friends somewhere <laughs> house. off screen. Yes. And some poor cop. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Do you think Pilu believes in Santa now that he's seen Santa? Yes. So... <laughs> so they've switched they have switched well no I think that Tommy also believes in Santa he just believes that he sh- you definitely shouldn't look at Santa does Santa still ex- so if you're in Tommy's position and you've seen Santa turn into an ogre mm-hmm. and kill your best friend and kill a bunch of other people and you've had to defend yourself and then you see that ogre version of Santa die mm. Does Santa still exist after that, or is Santa now dead? Do you right. Know? Does Santa reset next year? Yeah. I don't know. I um, think that Ogre Santa is dead, and then Good Santa comes good back. Good Santa comes back? Next year. Okay. And I think that Pilu also believes in Santa now. Because he's seen him. Because he's seen him. Okay. So, a lot of this movie, a lot of this concept, across both movies, honestly, is about like childhood innocence. Right. And the loss of childhood innocence. You know, Julie wants to wants to keep it going, wants wants. Tommy to keep believing in Santa Claus and Christmas and everything. Right. Um, how old were you when you learned Santa wasn't real? Um, I was in second grade. I don't know how old you are there. Eight, seven. Something, something around there. Yeah. Hold on. Let me, I'm just going to Google how old you are in second grade. Seven. Yeah. So I was seven or eight. Okay. How did you learn it? Jessica Fisher told me that Jessica Ta- Fisher, she's the bitch that told ruined me this for you. That Santa Claus wasn't real in the change room after gym. What a bitch! And then I asked my mom, and she was like, "Yeah." Oh, your mom, your mom wasn't thinking quick on her feet. No. Uh. She probably gave me. I think I'm. I'm nearly positive she probably, you know, spun it as the you know, how do you, how do you say like you know. The feeling of Christmas and, mm. and giving of Christmas and the spirit of Christmas. It's, it's still there even it's, if Santa's not. Exactly. Okay. Although I, she wasn't just like, nah, you're right. Yeah, Jessica Fisher's right. <laughs> Fuck you. Fuck you again, Jessica. <laughs> I'm sure she I'm sure she wove it into a very beautiful I, story. I can't wait to find Jessica Fisher and send her this link for this episode. <laughs> this is not the first time on the podcast I have tr- bitched about Jessica Fisher. That's true. I've heard you mention her She's name before. She's the one who I got into a fight when we played tetherball. Yep. <laughs> I, I do know you've Jessica mentioned her Fisher's name before. Jessica Fisher is my here. arch nemesis. Um, how old is Silas now that you're a mom? How old uh-huh. is Silas going to be before you strip him of the illusion of Santa Claus being real? I mean, I'm sure he'll. I'm just like Who's, I did. Is he going to have his own Jessica Fisher? I'm sure he will. Did okay. you? How, when did you find out? One of your sisters probably told you. Yeah, but we're also Jews. So. That's true. <laughs> like, do you don't really celebrate Christmas then? Not really. No, we didn't. Yeah. Like I would. 
I remember like there were these two girls I was friends with that were twins, okay. Chelsea and Amanda, that lived. So like we lived on a cul-de-sac and they lived on the like one over. Right. Uh, and they were like super into Christmas. Like, okay. Like a tree that makes the one that you have look small. Uh-huh. Like decorations fucking everywhere. And I used to go over to their house. Uh, but like I remember it was probably around the same time. I was six, seven, eight, something like that. Um, old enough to start like comprehending things like this. Right. And I remember like going to their house and seeing everything and they were talking about Santa and everything. And I went and asked my parents about it or maybe have made the mistake of asking my sister about it <laughs> and uh they're like no santa's not real and it doesn't matter because you're jewish santa right. doesn't give jews presents <laughs> moving on moving on <laughs> move on jew it's not for you <laughs> um so you actually have a great example of my next question so okay. you've got jessica fisher yes the asshole who ruins and shatters your childhood of love and happiness and mm-hmm. excitement and wonder by saying Santa's not real. Right. How would you apologize to Jessica Fisher if, if... I was like, why am I apologizing to her? <laughs> no. If it turns out uh-huh. that Jessica was correct and Santa's not real and the person that you're talking to online that's claiming to be Santa is possibly a fucking psychopedophile who's most likely masturbating on the other side of the phone... Mm. And really just wants to come and kill you. And mm. that's Santa. So she was right. Santa's not real. Santa's a crazy, homeless hobo who wants to give you a present by fucking a hole into your head. I guess I should be thanking her then at this point. Right? For saving me from the, that man that you just described. <laughs> he sounds terrible. He wants to fuck a hole in my head? He wants to make a chimney into your head. Into my head. Yeah. Okay. He, and, the back and, of my head or the front of my head? I don't know. That's up the for side. the crazy hobo Santa to decide. <laughs> That's whatever his preference is. So I guess at that point I would have to thank Jessica Fisher. All right. Well, fortunately for our listeners, Santa Claus is real. So still fuck you, Jessica Fisher. Yeah, yeah. Fuck you, Jessica you Fisher. You still suck. And you asked what age I would tell the baby that Santa Claus doesn't exist. Yeah, right. Like how, how long do you want to keep that going for I Silas? Know. Is it one of those like when he figures it out, he figures it out? Well, or? no. If he's a 13-year-old kid still thinking the Santa Claus is real, I think we're going to have to have a conversation. Because <laughs> okay. he clearly doesn't have any practical sense. <laughs> okay. All right. I don't know. Nine? So somewhere around Tommy's age. Like, yeah. If, it, would you want to see him make it to 10? I feel like 10 would be probably... 10's probably the last... This is your last yeah, Santa-believing Christmas. Yeah, I want to still, you know, to still enjoy the, the merriment and you know, joy of Christmas, but I think it's important to, you know, give as well as receive. Okay. And when you realize that Santa is everyone, Sam, we're all Santa and giving is except for the Jews, except for the Jews. And it's, you know, Christmas is about giving. And so <laughs> we can all be Santa. We can all be Santa. Yeah. Um, speaking of everyone being Santa, this is the last thing that I had to bring <laughs> up for this movie. Why, why is it, what is it about Santa that, is used so often throughout movies okay as like a deranged like psychotic or a deranged person having like a psychotic break right it's always santa never an easter bunny right never jack frost snowman style thing or a sports mascot or you don't hear about a deadly cupid right on valentine's day it's just crazy people i think because 
old Saint Nick is the epitome of like happiness. No, no more holly jolly. Yeah, it's, it, it's time for like uh... it's just a complete juxtaposition, right? Okay, it's a it's a happy jolly man, and also could be twisted around so easily. Yeah, it does lend very well to like yeah. You, it's iconic break. you see a dude in a big red suit with a big bushy white beard walking yeah. down the street and you think he's going to give you a present. The only present he gives you is a punch in the dick. Right. Or a hole in the head. Or a hole in the head. That he puts his penis in. I don't know. I think. Off screen. Off screen. You don't actually <laughs> see it. I think because, like I said, Santa Claus is like top tier mascot for happy holidays. Okay. Right. I mean, you got a leprechauns. Those have been turned around to be kind of creepy. Yeah, but I feel and like leprechauns, leprechauns were always kind of deigned to be creepy. And in they the first were, place. they're always kind of like, what's that word? Like sneaky, yeah. you know? Um, I, I'm trying to think of other mascots that pumpkin, like, you know. And maybe there just obviously. aren't, maybe there just aren't a lot of like holiday mascots. Yeah. The Tooth Fairy. That's been creepy. Yeah. That's, that's super creepy. Put your fucking. Your bones. Your bones. <laughs> And calcium under your pillow, <laughs> and a stranger is going to come take it and leave you money. I really do want to see a horror movie with uh, Easter Bunny now. <laughs> I'm sure they. I'm sure there's one out there. <laughs> the only bunny themed thing I can think of is Donnie Darko. Oh yeah, that's right. Well, it's not really an Easter Bunny. It's just a, no. It's just a bunny. It's just, it's just, it's just bunny. A, it's not a bunny. It's a rabbit. Yeah. All right. Uh, you got. You, do you have any? Anything to add for this one? I hated this movie. You hated this movie? I really hated this movie. Why'd you hate this movie? I think the long, drawn-out, non-dialogue bits of this movie with, um, like, the horrible, horrible score. (laughs) Yeah. We're just pretty much unbearable. I found the kid to be super weird. The, well, I mean, the villain was kind of weird. super weird. I thought the villain was great. Really? I thought he did a great job oh, portraying was, like a did, psycho. Yeah. But like, what was it? I don't. I guess I was confused by him because, like, his manic, his manic actions, like when he was spray painting his beard and hair and was just like so giddy about it, uh, or when he picked up the toy train and was just like just having enamored a by it, yeah, like. That's probably one of the best portrayals I've seen uh-huh. of just like, I shit in my hand and eat it crazy. <laughs> and like, was he normal up until? I don't think he was. Okay. I don't think he was supposed to be. So he's just be. been been roaming the streets of France, just batshit nuts? Yeah, I think he's just, he's he's a homeless vagrant. Who's... Is he homeless? I he assume He looked kind so. of clean. When he had his little yellow outfit on, he looked know, just, pretty I, put together. I assume he was some sort of vagrant. <laughs> Maybe. Um... Well, then how did he just get a job? Just walk, 1989 <laughs> France. You just walk it off the street, apparently. Like, I want to hang no out with No background the... check or references needed. I want to touch the kids. <laughs> I want I the have kids a job? To, I want the kids to sit in my lap. I just, yeah. I, I just... want to wear the beard and I want to have the money. <laughs> just... So I can go and buy some more nothing and stuff it in my pants. Yes, exactly. That's exactly what I was running through. I just, I really dislike this movie. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, uh, let's let's rate it then. What are we? What are we going to rate this out of? Mm, paper throwing stars. Paper throwing stars. <laughs> yeah. We're rating this out of paper throwing stars that have uh, Velcro. <laughs> Velcro, Velcro throwing stars. <laughs> All right. How many? How many Velcro throwing stars are you giving this one? Two. 
Two's not bad considering you hate this movie. I mean, it's a good movie. I just don't like it. Okay. So you're you're giving it points for being a decent film. It's a decent film. I just don't like it. And then you're docking points for just not liking it. For All right. Be, for All being right. annoyed by it. I can I can give you that. Okay. Technically, it's a good movie. All right. I think the score is garbage. Well, that's what happens when you let your brother do shit. Yeah. Now I know why my sisters felt that way about me. <laughs> Um, I'm going to give this a 3.25. Oh, wow. Okay. I strangely enjoyed this movie. Um, and you really liked the mentally damaged I th- villain. I thought he was fantastic. Okay. Um, I think he did a dynamite job playing the role. He was easily the best part of the movie. You know who I liked? Hmm. Pappy. Pappy was fun. Pappy was great. Pappy was great. I would let Pappy babysit my kids for sure. Even though we can't see them or where they're going? <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Maybe get Pappy glasses first. You got all the money in the world. You can't afford the old man some fucking glasses? That's what I was wondering. Well, I, I think... Or does would, he have cataracts? Does he need surgery? It just makes sense because he can't have... There needs to be an explanation as to why this child, once crazy deranged Santa comes to the house, why Pappy isn't tagging along. Yeah. There needs to be a reason for him to not be there, and they wrote it off as his bad eyesight. Yeah. Even He's though got he, glaucoma? Give the guy some weed. Yeah, I was going to say... I've these people are clearly very well off. They yeah. live in a castle. They could buy him some glasses. Yeah, there definitely are some it's very, holes yes. in the script. Uh, there, There's a... The biggest issue I had with this movie was... And you see it a lot with older movies. Mm. Um, is cutting mm. between all of the different characters. It's not cohesive. Yes. Um, it jumps way too much from... What is Santa doing? To what is Tommy doing? To what is Julie doing? To what is Santa doing? To what's Ronald do or yeah, Roland doing? And you're to like, who's Roland? What where's, happened? Where's Pappy shitting his pants? To Tommy <laughs> is now trying to do this. Like, how many times does Tommy get away from Santa? And we don't even know why. They're in the same room, but we never actually see Santa let him go. Absolutely. Although um, I think this movie won a few awards. It did actually. That's um, in 1990. It won best. I I can't remember the actual awards that it won but i think it won three awards yeah it's a very well received movie um and only made its way stateside last year actually okay two two years ago there you go one or two years ago um getting a uh kind of vhs remaster and then digitized okay so Um, people do like this movie yeah um when you have a movie that's got five potential names (laughs) yeah that's true what is this movie called so the official name is 3615 code pierre noel okay that is the official name but americans don't like that but americans don't like it because they don't get it speaking yeah so if you go to shutter where this movie is currently available it's on shutter as deadly games okay you can look up the original title of the movie you can look up dial code santa claus game over or hide and freak and they will all return as deadly games on shutter okay so i think Deadly Games is the U.S. release title for this. Okay. I mean, and to be honest, I feel like unless you live in France, not even the French part, but what does 3615 code mean? You know what I mean? Like, it doesn't... So 3615 was the Minitel thing. Right, but if unless yeah. you use the Minitel, it would make absolutely no sense. And I think Minitel was an exclusively French thing. I don't yeah. think it was used anywhere else in Europe. Okay. Um, so I think... So yeah. yeah. Marketing, eh. not the best. No. Not a kid's movie. No. Not a good title. No. So the marketing could have been better. The score could have been better. The 
Act. Lack of dialogue yes. could have been better. Yes. The awful montages could Ugh. have been better. Yes. Like, the first montage, I get it. It was fun. It was definitely making fun of anything S- Sylvester Stallone related. Yes. The the burying your dog montage oh, while an invader's in your house. He didn't talk for 20 minutes. Yeah. Real weird. Um, but Too our combined long. score breaks down to a 2.2 or 2.625 code Père Noël. Ha-ha. <laughs> <laughs> So, that is it for this movie. Now for the housekeeping. This is the first movie of our Christmas month. Yes. We're back in December. We're doing Christmas-themed movies. Next week, we're coming back, uh, continuing our tradition, doing Silent Night, Deadly Night 3, uh, Alex and Palmer's favorite franchise of all time. So good. You want to talk about a good Christmas movie. (laughs) Yeah. And speaking of Palmer, he is expected to be back next week. Uh, so if you're tired of just hearing me talk or listening to Alex tell me why I'm wrong, <laughs> you get to look forward to hearing me and her team up to tell Palmer why he's wrong Always. next week, just like he never left. Uh, aside from that, you can catch us in the usual places. You can email us at castatterrorinpodnito.com. You can find us on Twitter and Facebook at terrorinpodnito. Uh, you can find Alex on the Twitters and the Instagrams mm-hmm. at various things a looters and amvoy uh i am on twitter and i think instagram as well at sam heaves uh palmer is Sturmsworth, i think everywhere he goes um i think that's i think that does it bring in the holidays bring in the holidays don't let your kids stay up late make them go to sleep and if santa does come into your house just trust your instincts even if you believe in Santa, even if your kids believe in Santa, if you see someone dressed as Santa coming to your house that was not invited, he's either going to throw shit on your walls, like literal human shit, or he's going to kill you and your dog. That's fair. So be smart, be safe, and we'll see you next week. And as always, keep it Thank you.